You're listening to Boston Strongcast, a place where we talk all things powerlifting, strength, and the occasional scientific nerd session. I'm your host, Kevin Can, the owner of Precision Powerlifting Systems, strength coach and competitive powerlifter in the USAPL. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get stronger together. Hey guys, this is Kevin Karen's Precision Powerlifting Systems. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I've done a video and some of the, you know, sometimes I feel like I do the videos just for the sake of doing the videos. So I want to make sure I'm putting out quality content. So I'm trying to like, kind of, for some reason I'm out of breath after putting the fucking microphone in. But I kind of want to make sure that I'm putting out quality videos. So one of the things that I've been doing is when these things are coming up with conversations with lifters or other coaches or something, I'm trying to like make a list of things that I think are important. And one of the things, uh, shut that fan off so there's no background noise. So one of the things that I've been talking a lot lately, talking about a lot lately is a lot of the mindset stuff, right? And I think, I don't know of any coach who would say that the mindset stuff is not important. I think every coach knows of its importance and every lifter knows of its importance, but how to actually train it in the context of the sport, I think there's an art to that part of it. Um, you know, and I think what you end up seeing, right, is coaches try, let's say you get a lifter, they miss a lift, right? And you get a coach being like, progress isn't linear, these things are gonna happen, you need to be resilient, you need to, whatever it is, but they're trying to tell the lifter that, right? And you can't give somebody values. They need to discover those values on their own. And your job as a coach is to help them discover their personal values. So the individualization of training isn't just manipulating the sets and reps or exercises based off of the individual, but it's gonna be a guide and a process to help them discover the values that are important to them and the reasons that they make the choices that they make. Because no matter what, when you make a choice to do something, there are values guiding that choice, whether you're aware of them or not. So let's say you have that same lifter, they miss a repetition, they miss a, a squat single, they don't do well at a competition, and they become very discouraged and frustrated and they're sulking and they're, they're not able to get out of their own way in that case there. There are values there that are leading that behavior, right? And maybe there's, you know, maybe they don't trust themselves, maybe they're insecure, maybe whatever the reasons are, that's a self-discovery process that needs to happen. And it has to happen before these situations arise. Now in training, those situations give us affordances to be able to develop some of those character skills, some of those mindset skills. And I think that's really important. Um, but just like any skill, it has to be practiced continuously in order to get better, right? So one of the things that I realized when I first started coaching, I would say a lot of these process-oriented things, but again, I'm not having my lifters discover them, I'm just telling them, like, this is how it is, this is what it needs to be. Look, Nick Saban said this, and like, I was giving them their values and not helping guide their self-discovery of their own personal values. Um, and that's something that, over COVID, when I realized now that I'm not gonna be in person anymore, and I'm doing everything remotely, and I just realized the importance of these values to life in general. So how can I come up with a way to develop these skills with my lifters? Now, of course, I'm not a psychologist. I don't have a degree in psychology. I, I'm not having them lay down on my couch and tell me their problems. I have to be able to communicate with them and teach them these things through the program because that's what the program is, right? And I was, I was reading something the other day and it was 
basically saying how important language is and how each team has their own language, right? So it was talking about football and how, you know, it might be a 4-3 defense or a cover two or whatever, whatever they use to name their plays. Like they have their own language to communicate these things. And in high level athletics like that, in team sports where play is constantly happening, it has to be quick. And there has to be a word or two that everybody knows what it means to get everybody on the same page. So highly effective communication is a really important aspect of sports in general. And I don't think this changes for powerlifting. Between the coach and the lifter, the communication needs to be on point. It doesn't matter what everybody outside of that conversation, how they interpret the program or the communication between lifter and coach. So I've had this happen to me in the past where it's, you know, I may choose to use specific language with my lifters, whether it's calling an exercise something and somebody's like, well, that's not really what it's called. Well, as long as they understand what I'm trying to communicate with them and we're on the same page, that probably doesn't matter that much. Um, in fact, as long as we're on the same page, I can call it whatever I want. I could name it something. Um, I could whatever, it doesn't matter, right? As long as we're on the same page. So when I was sitting there and I was like, man, how can I teach a lot of these character and mindset skills to the lifters? When I, the only communication I really have with them, of course, where we text and we have our bi-weekly meetings, we have another monthly skills meeting, we have all these means of communication. But in terms of like having that effective communication for the sport and how do I get them to develop the skills necessary to improve as lifters and as people, because that's what sports is. Sports puts, puts us in a controlled environment where we're gonna face adversity, where we're gonna challenge ourselves, where we can develop a lot of our, our characteristics that can make us leaders in other aspects of our life and high performers in other aspects of our life. So how can I, how can I make a program like that? So the first step when I was doing that, um, so right here, this is, something that I wrote because I think it's important, right? So the program is language spoken to the lifter. So the very first thing that I started with was the physiology, right? And because we know that there's, that there's a certain amount of work we need to do and a certain means of doing that work for us to get stronger. So I went through and analyzed my program with Shaco. I analyzed when we were doing more submaximal volume stuff, average volumes that I was using for the people that were doing really well and the ones that didn't and kind of compared them and stuff. And then every time that we've changed our programs, I, again, I went back through and here's like, okay, it's going well when we're kind of hitting these volumes, right? So it starts with basic physiology because we can't forget about that, right? But we, we found out how to get people strong in the 70s, right? And not much has changed, although we like to argue on the internet, like, and I'm gonna get into this a little bit more. Maybe we'll get into it now. So whether we should use low RPEs or high RPEs or at some point that argument just becomes pointless, right? So if we're doing a heavy set of five squats, let's say, Right, and you'll have people who will argue, oh, you should do doubles in more sets. This is how Shaco set it up. And I don't disagree with his aspects of training or his, his theories and his programs and stuff because clearly he was a very highly successful coach. And I utilize a ton of his principles within my programs, even though they may be hard to see at times. But there's probably more of Shaco in my programs than there is of like Westside or anything else. So you might have somebody argue, well, instead of doing a five by five, you should do a 12 by two or something, right? So the volume's the same, faster reps, higher velocity, whatever, right? 
But when it comes to, and that's just looking at a physiological question, right? But if you think of doing a hard set of five squats, which one is the easiest and which one is the hardest? And at the end of the day, you need to do hard things to give yourself the right to do more hard things. And that's how you challenge yourself consistently. That's, that's where confidence comes from. So if I'm trying to build a confident athlete that challenges themselves and gives me a certain amount of effort in the gym, a heavy set of five might be more appropriate doing a five by five, like working up to something heavy, whatever it may be, but a heavy set of five might be better than breaking it up into, into a bunch of doubles for that reason. It's because that fifth rep is hard. That's the one that's gonna build your character. And at the end of the day, like, yes, there may be physiological reasons why another way may be better, but there's a reason why those things have worked for so many over the years. So do hard things. Now for me, I do have a bias towards, sig towards singles. That is the sport. Learning how to strain is really important in this sport, right? There's a big difference between a single and even a triple, even though one to three reps can be considered a max effort, right? The single physiologically is different. Mentally, it's different as well, right? So I like training to have consequences. I want singles in there because it's gonna elicit those anxious feelings, those nervousness feelings, and it's gonna force you to develop tools to be able to handle it. And the more that you encounter these things, the better off it's going to be. Now, of course, we can't just max out all of the time. So there has to be uh, a plan in place to allow for adequate recovery. So we utilize the max effort method. And actually the submax, oops, effort and the repetition effort method, okay? So it's a little different than Westside because we don't really utilize the dynamic effort method like Westside does. Occasionally I will use that if I want a lifter to build some speed within their lifts. But these are raw lifters and I think raw lifters kind of work better with some maximal effort stuff. Also, I have a bias towards some maximal effort work over dynamic effort work because of my ties with Shaco. So these are the three things, right? This is basic science and practices. I think it's page 80, somewhere around there. Like this is basic setup of programs to develop certain physiological measures, right? Max effort method. This is specific to our sport, singles. So if we use variations, so Louis talks about like the law of accommodation. So if we use variations, we can continuously max out. Now, I think trying to max out weekly becomes very difficult. However, what I learned from one, me taking singles only for an entire year, and also when we were doing more like linear type stuff and really working up to heavy top sets, fatigue doesn't just accumulate in one session. It takes a lot of time to build up. So I think there's appropriate times throughout the year, we'll, and we will do this. So phase three of our program is max effort squat, max effort bench every week, and then a deadlift max effort actually rotates every other week. But we do a lot of work before this to actually build up to be able to handle um, that amount of max effort work in a phase three of a program. So like phase one builds a base, phase two continues to build that base, and phase two is kind of where a lot of the work is done. And then we're prepared to be able to handle more max effort work as we kind of gear up for a competition and we get more sports specific work in there um, and this has worked really well it's led to a lot of really stable top-end performances at competitions where lifters are hitting their best lifts on the platform um, oftentimes very easily and going nine for nine and meets doing this um, so it's been 
it's been an, a good experiment. It's been really good to see um, work its way out. So we use the max effort method and it rotates through how much of it we get. Submax effort method, right? Because you have to do a certain amount of work to get stronger. The repetitions matter, but they can't be mindless reps, right? So there have to be clear goals with those reps that the lifter is fully aware of. Um, they need to focus on what those clear goals are and there needs to be immediate feedback. So the immediate feedback can come from the coach, but it can also come from the exercise or both. Um, so that's really important. And then rep effort, repetition effort method, th this is where like our bodybuilding stuff comes in, higher reps, um, focusing usually on the individual muscle groups that are important within the lifts themselves, ideally focusing on the weaknesses within the lifts and just getting extra work within them. And you know, there's been times where I've gone back and forth on the importance of that, but Shaco used to say how important it was. Louis says how important it, it was, it is. Um, so like one of the things is like your bodybuilding stuff doesn't work without the lifts in there, right? So you need the more specific work in there and that's just like an accessory too. That's why it's called an accessory, right? All right, so there's our basic physiological setup. And so from analyzing all the programs, so Shaco's program for me and the programs that I've written over the last six years, I realized that we needed 50 to 70 um, squats and deadlifts per week and bench press per week. So we're getting, let me write that down. Okay, so we'll call it lower body, 50 to 70, and then bench, 50 to 70. All right, so we're getting between 100 and 150 lifts or variations of the lifts every single week. So with the lower body, this is any squat or deadlift variation that we do. I also include uh, good mornings in here. Um, so one of the reasons for that is if there are weaknesses within the lifts and the good mornings are targeting a weakness, it's still a compound barbell movement and for recovery reasons, I think it's just, it just works better, especially with all the max effort work that we do and our volume's not low. So the fact that we do so much work, just counting the good mornings in here is more of a recovery aspect than anything else. And it's still pretty close to like the lifts themselves. So, you know, the, it hits the back, the hips, the hamstrings pretty hard. You're using pretty adequate weights and stuff like that. So I do include those in there. So we're getting between 100 and 150 lifts per week. And these are all 70% and greater. So I'm not including the warm-ups like I used to with Shaco. And sometimes though I'll take, you know, these are just general guidelines. And sometimes I'll take, if we're doing like a four inch deficit deadlift, I'm probably not using 70%, probably using 60 to 65%. So we'll make something lighter just because the angles are a lot heavier. And this will always be, so I'll get into like our program and aspects and how it communicates certain things to the lifter. Um, but usually our percentages are either based off of our best comp lift, um, if we're doing more just like comp lifts as volume work or something, or it's gonna be based off of the max effort lift that we did in a previous week. So it's, it's really accurate just because we've done it so often and recent. So with that physiology set up, 
right? So we got those basic guidelines and everybody wants to argue which is the best way to do it. But like I said, you just got to train hard, right? And there has to be communication between coach and lifter that makes sense to both, that they're on the same page. And whether you want to do heavy fives, you want to structure more like Shaco, it doesn't matter. As long as you guys are on the same page, you're working hard, you're challenging yourselves, the effort's there. All right, so once I got the physiology down, now it became, okay, how can I teach these character skills? So if you look at the bottom of our pyramid, what I call this, the strive to be great pyramid of PPS, and I did a whole video on that, everything's mindset stuff at the bottom. Because I realized you can't even fix technique if you have the wrong mindset. So like you need to develop those skills to be able to withstand the training first. And then once you understand the purpose of training and you know, you're more mindful, so not doing the perfect rep, which doesn't even exist, but not doing the perfect rep doesn't throw off your next rep and you're just kind of able to be present, focused, and get everything possible out of training. So now with all the physiology there, I had to think in my head, okay, how can I structure this in a way that communicates these ideals? So if you look at the pyramid, how can I get them to develop these skills within this pyramid? through the language of the program itself. Because my words, they don't mean anything to them, right? Because I can't give them values. They need to discover these values. So for example, let's take something like technique. So for six years, I've told every one of my lifters how important technique is. But a lot of them will see people lifting a ton of weight with less than ideal technique and they'll just be like, fuck it, or it gets too hard. And they're like, well, I don't want to, I just want to lift the weights. And it became very, very hard to try to communicate the idea of the importance of technique. Again, that's a value of mine that I think you need to have, you need to manipulate leverages to the best of your ability and train the shit out of those angles and really strengthen those areas. But I can't just say that to a lifter and then be like, got it, that's what I'm gonna do. I need to communicate this through the language of the program itself. So week one, we hit a max effort lift. And here we, we leave five to 10 pounds on the bar, okay? So it's not a true max, right? Think of it as a hard second, easy third, right? And this will be a new variation. This is week one, first time they've had the, this variation. Right, then week two, we might get 70% last week, five by five, okay? So after their week one max effort, week two, they'll use the same variation. They'll take, let's say 70% of that variation and we'll do a five by five. So because there's a volume of work I need at 70% or greater, putting 25 reps here gets me halfway there. If I do the same with the deadlift, there's 50. But usually in this week, there'll be good mornings and other things in there that gets us on the upper end of volume. So week two is gonna be a much higher volume week than week one. So everything kind of averages out over time to hit these kind of baseline volume numbers that we're kind of looking for. On this day here, they'll have something to work on, right? Because doing a variation for the first time, even if it's not the first time you've ever done it, having not done it in a while, it's gonna be a little rusty. So it's gonna be like, okay, I gotta work on this one aspect. I'm gonna focus on that one part for all 25 of these reps and really kind of get it locked in. And then week three, we hit the max effort again. Except this time we add five pounds from week one. So we're trying to PR what we hit on week one. So what this communicates to the lifter is we get a variation, leave five to 10 pounds. We work on a certain technical aspect, we're rewarded with a PR. So this communicates the importance of technique 
we do something, there's, some, there's something breaking down. I'm gonna work hard at that one thing this week and I'm gonna add five pounds to it. Of course, a comp lift is not gonna work like that, right? But these variations that are awkward, it encourages this. And every block we do the same thing over and over and over. It teaches these skills, right? But it teaches the importance of technique, right? If I can figure this out, boom, this is telling me technique's important. One of the other aspects that I've always run into was the ability to make good training decisions. Lifters are 100% going to go off program at times. So you need to have a plan in place, but also you need to teach them when that's appropriate and when it's not. And again, your words, of course you have these conversations with the lifters, but the program's going to communicate this far better than you because you have a certain value that you're putting on training skill and you have a certain idea of what that looks like, right? And you can tell them till you're blue in the face that it needs to be done a certain way, but they need to discover these values for themselves. So for me, I know they're gonna go off program, but max effort allows them to choose the weight they put on the bar. So one, that teaches accountability too. I didn't put the weight on the bar. You made the decision to put it on there, right? So they have nobody to blame but themselves for a lack of their performance or whatever um, under those circumstances. So if they're the type who gets really aggravated week one and they, or they are chasing numbers, and they put too much weight on the bar week one. Week two is heavier than it probably should be. Fatigue's accumulating, right? Because fatigue doesn't just necessarily build up on one day. Of course it does, there's acute and chronic aspects to it. But as we go through this program, every week fatigue's just building, just building, just building, right? Too heavy, makes this heavier. Now they're, they're tired and there's nowhere to go. So they made a bad training decision that's leading to them not hitting a PR on week three. And then these afford opportunities for me to have conversations with the lifters. So now it can be like, hey, here's why this happened. Let's talk about it. Why did you decide to make this decision? Well, I'd hit this weight previously and I'm like, okay, so yes, things aren't linear, which you're gonna see now, but he here's your opportunity to really get momentum moving back so that you're constantly moving in the right direction, right? So if we make a more conservative approach here, we really attack our volume, we work, we work on things. You know, you'll be surprised at how much better things get in three weeks. Um, and even then, okay, well, if I did better week three than I did week one, let's do the same thing in the next block so that we can just keep cycling through and keep hitting these five pound PRs on these variations every third week and just get some good momentum and start you know, building some strength. Eventually everything just kind of works out well, right? That momentum neurochemically does give you a nice little blast of dopamine and even testosterone at times and it helps for skill development as well. Um, so there's physiological aspects to the way that this is set up, which I've also done a video on. So I won't get into deep detail on that here. Um, so with the training decisions and with going off program and making poor choices, now I'm communicating those poor choices, right? You make a poor choice week one, week three is gonna let you know the consequences of it. So that's really important, I feel, to let them, you know, to let them learn that. And now I give them a lot of open-ended stuff. So I'll put you know, certain muscle groups that I want them to do, certain whatever but I give them a little bit of leeway in kind of figuring that stuff out. So they need to be that student that's at the bottom of the pyramid. They need to learn more. They need to have these conversations with me and they become accountable for making some of their own choices and 
it communicates those things to them. They can't just always look to me for every answer. So one of the things that I realized when I was coaching in person is somebody would get out from under the bar and immediately look at me for the feedback. And it's like at some point you gotta trust yourself to be able to pay attention to that feedback. And you gotta learn those things so that you can you can actually get better and you can feel that feedback and I'm just there to guide the process, to give you my insight, my wisdom onto, into the sport itself. But as you're training, you gotta trust that your body knows how to learn how to move. And especially when I've given you what my idea of the technique should look like, what we're trying to accomplish, and you have those things kind of formed in the back of your brain, you kind of know what you need to do and how to navigate through it. So there's a lot of training decisions to be made which lead to a lot of conversations for between me and the lifters. The other thing is having it set up like this, it's inevitable you're going to miss on a week three. You're never gonna bat a thousand percent. If you are, you're definitely not going hard enough on those days and I'll just force the issue a little bit more. And that becomes easy to do once you're getting a lot of max effort lifts in there and you know certain weights. But you're going to miss. You're not going to bat a thousand, right? Because to develop resiliency, we have to fail. And we have to learn how to fail. And we have to learn how to learn from failing. So it's set up for them to fail sometimes. It's gonna be less than they make, that's for sure. They're gonna make way more reps than they're going to miss. But this is a sport you will miss sometimes. And what you see at a lot of competitions is people don't know how to fail. They fail and they just act emotionally. They don't know how to let it go, make good decisions and move on from it, to learn to move on from it. And that's really important to me. So this helps develop mindfulness. It helps you to be present in the training moment, judgment-free, right? You need to have uh, nothing going on in your mind once you're underneath that bar. You can work through, you know, you can use visualization stuff and think of the negative aspects of training that could occur and work through them and really have a plan going in so that when and if it happens, you've already worked through it so you, you know how to act without acting emotionally. I think that stuff's really important. It gives them these opportunities to do these things, right? And if they don't do it on their own, they're gonna fuck it up and then we can reflect upon it and now we can have a plan moving forward. So now we can learn a lot from it and we can start developing some of these skills. And the more you miss, the more you stop caring about missing. The more the fear of failure kind of goes away because you're working through it. You're developing tools so that you're not afraid of failure. And I think, you know, fear of other people's opinions are another fear when we miss. We're like, oh, they're going to think I'm not weak or I'm not getting stronger and I can't have them see this. Um, but I, I do. I think it helps work through those, those fears that people have and it helps them develop the tools. And as the guide of the program, I can help give them exercises to do to improve upon those skills. But again, you can't just will confidence to happen. You can't just tell yourself, I got this. If you haven't done hard things previously, that prove to yourself that you do fucking got this. So like developing self-talk that's believable and that actually can be utilized in a positive manner, it requires action. You need to get out there, lift, make mistakes, learn from those mistakes, come back. So let's say you miss a max effort. Well, then you get an opportunity in the next block to come back and to hit one. All right, so I was able to regroup. I hit more weight on this one than I did in the last one. I'm starting to get this, right? Like those types of things, you know, I think people mistake doing reps for developing confidence because there has to be consequences in training and it has to challenge you. It has to make you a little bit nervous in order for you to develop those skills. It can't just be mindless reps. And a lot of programs are so 
you know, the computers are so like, oh, we got to do this many sets, this many reps, this intensity because our acute chronic work ratio or whatever people are using these days, that stuff doesn't work because it is so reductionist to the human experience. At the end of the day, there is a human underneath that bar and that human is a wicked problem. High performance is also a wicked problem. So you have two wicked problems you're trying to help navigate to solve at the same time and there's no algorithm that's going to help you do that yeah of course load management is important we've been doing this you know we knew this in the 70s so that's why my volume stays stable is because all of a sudden if their recovery starts to fall off but my volume has been the same hey what's going on we need to make sure we're still sleeping we're getting our hydration you know let's figure this stuff out i don't tend to adjust the volumes much in terms of number of lifts for my lifters. Obviously, if they're going to get hurt and they can't handle the workload, of course I'm going to. But that becomes a conversation. Why can't you do the work that's necessary of you to do that you've done previously? So where, where have things happened between here and there that you know, we need to get ahead of? Um, and I think this is where the coaching process comes in, right? So like we use a lot of stable volumes. Your you know, tonnage is going to increase as your one RMs increase. Um, and obviously, you know, if your max effort lifts are going up every week, these, the rep work's gonna go up. So like the volume in terms of like total tonnage and the weights being used and stuff is gonna be individualized based off of your individual performance on a week to week basis. So it's going to adjust itself naturally. So it, it, it takes into consideration the typical fluctuations that a lifter is going to have within their lifts. Um, but then it also will highlight to me that there's some things we need to work on in a conversation we need to have to be able to get in front of this stuff so that we can continue to train hard and keep getting you the progress that, that you want, that you want to work towards. So another reason why I like the max effort stuff too is it forces a lifter to challenge themselves. You know, it's anybody can just take a certain percentage and run sets and reps, right? But to actually be accountable enough to be scared and still put that weight on the bar and to have to figure out how to attack that weight. And then to afterwards, you know, let's say somebody misses and it's like, you know, and I'm talking to them, I'm like, walk me through your self-talk from the time you put that weight on the bar to the time that you got stapled underneath that weight. And people will be like, oh man, I was really nervous. I was overthinking it under the bar. I was saying these things to myself and I tried to talk myself out of it, but I just didn't believe it. All right, we got something to work with here. Here's what we're gonna do to start developing some of this confidence that we need to develop to be underneath the bar. Um, you know, and here are some things that have worked for me in the past. Here's some framework that's worked for me in the past or that others have suggested to me to help me with sports performance. Um, and we're, we're gonna try some of these things and let's, let's see if we can make it better. And I think just having that conversation and understanding that like, hey, this isn't a big deal, this happens to everybody, it kind of frees you of the burden of missing a, missing a lift. And it's like, okay, well, I know the strengths there. I just got to figure out these things and I'm going to work at it because I'm committing to myself to be the best version of myself I can be. And I'm using sports as a means to communicate that, to test myself and to make myself better over time. And I think that's a really important concept um, that the training, that the training itself can help develop. Um, so it forces lifters to challenge themselves. And again, it's gonna force them to miss. They're gonna to have to develop that resiliency. It forces them to realize the importance of technique. So there's a lot of communication with the program itself. I'm just helping them learn the lessons. I'm highlighting what the program's telling them. And we're just having those 
conversations and we're just working through shit. Um, and I think that's that's what the program is. The program is a language that the coach speaks to the lifter and it helps that lifter find their their own individual values. We as coaches cannot give them to the lifter. They have to have that moment of self-discovery. Um, but, you know, if people want to learn more about our training style, just, you know, reach out to me. I'm willing to have conversations about it and stuff. Um, but at the same time, if you're going to, you know, there's plenty of dickheads out there who just want to argue. And if that's going to be you, get the fuck out of here. Um, but if you really want to have a conversation about, like, the art of writing a program and, like, thinking of these things and thinking deeper, much deeper than just the, the numbers on a spreadsheet, I'm always willing to have those conversations. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram. It's KWK and our team, Precision Powerlifting Systems.